Hello, I'm really glad you're with us for this message today, and I hope you're having a Merry Christmas season, that you're getting your shopping done, the decorating of the house, maybe some baking. That That's awesome if you are baking. That's that's good stuff. Um, we're talking about in this message series, the most significant birth in history, and it's interesting that it took place without a major announcement in the world at large of any kind. It wasn't announced to the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus, but God used him to arrange circumstances to fulfill prophecy. It's interesting that the innkeeper in Bethlehem who refused Mary and Joseph had no idea who he was talking to or the the identity of the baby that Mary was carrying when he refused them and told them there was no room in the inn. Still today, this is how it is. God's work in the world mostly goes unnoticed by the world at large. It's It doesn't show up on popular news outlets, news streams, um, in social media, It doesn't blow up on Twitter, but it's interesting. God is working behind the tweets of history. I mean, there's a lot of historic tweets that are going on right now. And God is working through history to accomplish his purposes. And we can count on that. An author I've been reading, Daniel Darling, said this. Christmas is a powerful reminder that what is important in heaven is often unimportant on earth. And that's the way it is. This is what we see in the first century, and that's what we see in our century. As followers of Christ, we shouldn't expect the world at large to make a big deal about the things that are important to God or what he's doing in history. It's often missed. It's overlooked. And so we need to know what's important to God so that we can live it. And as you go into the scripture, that's where you find out what's important to God. And that's that's where we learn to live based on his values, what's important to him. With that in mind, I want to talk about how Jesus Christ entering our world is a significant truth for his followers. That truth has two very important implications to it that I'll talk about later. Fellowship with God is possible, and it's the model. What he's done in entering our world is the model for his followers to live out. Luke 2, 1 through 7 says, In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. There was a census. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all all went to be registered, each to his hometown. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, 
That's important. We'll talk about that later. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In the moment, we can't always see how God is working, but we can trust him to be at work. Like right now in our country, we, we, it feels chaotic to us what's going on. But he is working to accomplish his purposes. We can trust him to be doing that. And so I want to walk through this passage uh, that I just read and look at how God was working in history at that first Christmas and how it can give us the confidence to know that he's working right now in our lives. We're going to look at three significant things. We're going to look at significant circumstances, a significant event, the birth of Christ, and the significant meaning of his birth. So let's dig in. Significant circumstances first. The circumstances are significant because they show how God worked to arrange the time and place of Jesus' birth in order to fulfill prophecy. This is why he did it. It was prophesied that the Messiah, Christ, Jesus, would be born in Bethlehem. And here's the specific prophecy in Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. This meant, since this was the prophecy long ago um, about the Messiah, who would be preexistent, really, that's what it's saying there, coming forth from of old, from ancient days. Um, this meant that God would need to give Mary and Joseph a reason to go from Nazareth, where she was uh, living and expecting the baby, to Bethlehem. And so it's interesting, Proverbs 21.1 says that the heart of a king is like stream of water in the hands of God, and he guides it wherever he pleases. This is how God sovereignly arranged the circumstances for prophecy to be fulfilled. He did it by putting it in the heart of the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus to do a census, to have a registration. This meant that Mary and Joseph would have to make the extremely difficult journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem while she was nine months pregnant. That was a very difficult thing to do. And they did it. So here are the details of the significant event, the most significant birth in the history of the world. Mary and Joseph made this journey across the desert without planes, trains, or automobiles, or any of the 
the things that make our journeys, maybe even in cars, uh, more convenient. They're, they're, they, they just make our trips honestly bearable. Things like, wow, the invention of TVs in vans has been a, a, a lifesaver for many, many families, but they didn't have any of that. She, she rode on a donkey and they walked from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And so I, I to kind of give you a feel for this, I'd like to share a song uh, with you. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. And as it's sung, you'll see scenes from the movie, The Nativity, and it gives you a feel for the the journey. And that's what I'd like you to pay attention to. There's a, there's a random scene, a couple of random scenes from the movie that might not make sense to you, but focus on the 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 journey that they had to take and how taxing that must have been would you would you listen to this with me That's one of my favorite songs. It was written and sung by Amy Grant, The Breath of Heaven, or Mary's Song. And the clip, what we just watched, shows the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem and gives you a feel for what it would have been like to be expecting a baby and having to make that journey. Wow. They... They were likely exhausted at the end of that journey. Um, and then 
while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So Mary gives birth to the most significant person, which is an understatement, frankly, uh, who ever was born on the face of this earth. And there was no place for them in the inn. And so Jesus was laid in a manger, in an animal feeding trough. Now, many believe that these roadside dwellings uh, called an inn in this passage were either uh, a collection of modest shacks that were circled around uh, where they kept animals. If you're traveling with an animal, they, they kept the animals there. Um, so they're surrounded in inner circle and the animals or, or livestock were kept there. Or they were nothing more than uh, a cave with some li- livable space carved out. E- either way, there was no room for them in the inn. And they went out to give birth among the animals. So this is the birthplace of the most significant person who was ever born and lived, Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. Now, I'd like you to imagine with me the the moment the innkeeper tells them there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, in his or her defense, um, they didn't really know who they were talking to. They didn't realize what was going on, this significant event. And God arranged that fact anyway. He was telling us something that he he is willing to take on the most humble state of human beings and step into our world that way. But I don't know this for a fact, but if you go on that journey, the, the one that we just saw, something like it, it was depicted in the, the video clip I just showed, um, and you're told there's no room for you in the inn, how would you react? I would have gotten frustrated. That would be, you know, I imagine Joseph was racking his brain for what to do. Mary was hoping he would do something because she was about, she was probably in labor and about to give birth. When Jesus Christ stepped into our world, he was likely born in the middle of frustrated people. I would have been. That would have been true of me. If it were me, I would have been incredibly cranky. Just just ask my wife. She probably wouldn't tell you out of uh, kindness, but I, I would have been cranky. I get to the the hotel that I'm staying in, and there's not a room for me. Or I'm checking, and there's just no way to to deal with that. So this is precisely the frustration, and what what is going on in our world is precisely the reason. Jesus was born. He was born in response to the struggles and the frustration of the people that he made and that he wanted to come to help. 
He came to show us a better way. This is why he was born. And this brings us to the significant meaning of the birth of Christ and the truth of the incarnation. God becoming flesh. That's what it means to be incarnate. If if you look into major world religions, you realize how unique this doctrine is. In Eastern religions, there's a personal enforce that you can merge with, but you certainly can't know or experience personally. In other religions, God is a person, but he's so removed from life, from everyday life, that he is distant and too much so to have a personal relationship with him. But Christianity, in our faith, God stepped into our world to bridge the distance between us so that we could know him personally and experience what life is like as we follow him. He we can have a personal relationship with him because he came after us. He, he he stepped into our world to get to know us. No other faith says God became flesh. And he did it out of love for the people that he made. Out of love for you and I. This truth, this action that God took by stepping into our world, it is packed with meaning. So I would like to look at the implications of the incarnation. First, it means fellowship with God is possible because he stepped into our world and was born and lived the life he did and died the death he died on the cross. We can know him. It's interesting, Hark the Herald Angels Sing uh, by Charles Wesley, it was written by Charles Wesley, celebrates this, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. When we read the biographies of Jesus Christ, the Gospels, when we read about his life on earth, we see God in human form. We see the responses of God to what's going on in situations like the ones we face. We see the decisions that he made, the values that he he chose, what's most important to God. We learn that by reading about the life of Jesus Christ. Christmas means that God went to infinite lengths to make himself someone that we can know. And this is incredible. This should motivate you and I to get to know him personally and to fellowship with him every day. Speaking to Christ followers, 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The incarnation, that is Christmas, means that God is not content 
to be a concept or a force or someone that we only know about from a distance. Christmas is a promise and a call to have fellowship with the living God. God is not distant. He's not uncaring. He is with us all the time. He is calling you and I into fellowship with himself. Will you respond to that invitation? We are called by God into fellowship. And the word called in this passage uh, that we read, it was originally written in Greek. And in a Greek-English dictionary or lexicon, this is the meaning of that word. To communicate directly or indirectly to someone who is presumably at a distance in order to tell such a person to come, to call, to summon. So God has drawn close to us in the person of Jesus Christ, and he's calling us through Jesus Christ to fellowship with him. He's motioning, come near, come near to me. I've stepped into your world so that you could get to know me. Come, come close, draw close. And he draws us to himself. Our, our native response, however, is to live life without God's help. We disconnect from him. If we follow him, it's tempting to maybe say a prayer in the morning and then go through the rest of the day without ever thinking about him being there and the help that he can bring. His followers are called, though, to come close and walk with him throughout our days, through the entire day. He's there to help. He's calling us to fellowship with him. And that's the first implication of the incarnation. The second implication is that the incarnation should be the model for us. It's it's the model for the way that we serve and connect with the people around us. The living God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ to set an example, to be a model for all of us. Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with us every step that we take, every circumstance as life flows by he's there we can call on him we can fellowship with him as we live our days as we do the things that he's laid on our plate in in this message we have seen we're talking about the great links that Jesus went to in order to step into our world He borrowed the womb of a virgin. He created life in that womb through his direct power. It's an amazing thing that he's done. Christmas means that God humbled himself and became a man so that we could have fellowship with him and also to give us a model for showing love and connecting with the people around us. 
the incarnation is God's method and our model. Jesus set the ultimate example for us by stepping into our world as both God and man. And he showed us how to live. His followers should do the same in the lives of the people God's placed in, in, around them, in their circles. We are called to engage with others, those who allow us to get involved in their lives. What this means is we get into their world and we show interest in what interests them. And we help them with their greatest needs. That's what Jesus did at Christmas. He, he met our deepest need to be forgiven and allowed to have fellowship with the living God. Jesus held nothing back from us in becoming a man so that we could have salvation. He held nothing back emotionally, physically, or spiritually. So we invest. If we're following him, what that means is that's the model. We invest and pour ourselves out emotionally, spiritually, physically for the people in our circles. We get involved in their world. This includes our, our spouse, our kids, our extended family, our co-workers, our neighbors, anyone whom God brings along your path. You know, it's, it's easy to sort of out of exhaustion sometimes to detach and live disinterested lives. Even though the room could be filled with people, we're just not interested in them because we're so focused on our own interests. That is not Jesus' way. That's not the way he wants his followers to live. The way you connect with people, you get into what they're into, especially kids. Now, you may not be really into video games or sports or music the way they are, but if you want to connect with your kids and build a bridge to them, then you step into their world. This is the model. You you get into their world and you get interested in what interests them. Stepping into their world is how you love and connect with them. And it opens the door for training if it's kids. It definitely opens their heart as you connect with them that way and you build the bridge to them. It opens their heart to understand your instruction and your training for them. Now, what we see in the history of the first Christmas is that God sovereignly arranged for prophecy to be fulfilled by Caesar Augustus taking the census at the right time for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. And what we experience, whether we realize it or not, is God sovereignly bringing people into our lives so that we can invest in them, so that we can get involved in their lives, so that we can get involved in their world the way that Jesus stepped into our world to take on human flesh.
That's the incarnation and its meaning for our lives. It is a significant thing. But often there are barriers that keep us from stepping into the world of someone else. Um, some of these barriers are busyness. We have to push past these barriers. Busyness. We get so preoccupied with our own interests that we don't pay attention to the needs of others around us. Fear is another one. We, we don't take initiative sometimes to, to offer the, the opportunity to get involved in someone's life because we're afraid of, of, of rejection. Um, we, so the bridge is never built because we don't make the first move toward them. Jesus, God, made the first move toward us. So we should do the same. Bitterness is another barrier. We've been hurt in the past and we haven't forgiven. And what happens when you have an open wound is it keeps you from getting close to people in your life because uh, it's sore. It hurts. And so uh, it might get hurt again. So you don't, you never get close. So we need to work through bitterness and resentment and let it go. God gives us the power to do that through Jesus Christ. Frustration is another barrier. People just don't seem to change. We get fed up with them. and It takes a long time for them to grow out of the bad habits that they've been in. And maybe they never do grow out of those habits. But God is the model of ultimate patience. He has shown tremendous amount of love and kindness and patience to us. And that that is a model for us. And then technology is another barrier. There's distracted driving that can cost lives. But nowadays, we have to get past distracted relating. So easy to be on your phone and on your social media accounts and checking things and, and not really paying attention to, to what is going on around us. But, but God wants us to get past these barriers of, to step into the world of the people around us. Since, since God made this epic move, I mean, epic is almost too small a word. He, he made an epic move toward us in becoming a man. As followers of Christ, he wants us to move toward others to share his grace and kindness with them. Toward our families, toward our wives and husbands and kids and extended families. He wants us to move toward them, even when they don't seem very lovable. God didn't wait for us to get lovable to move toward us, so we move toward them even when they don't seem lovable. At work, in the midst of frustration at work, God wants us to move toward and get involved in the lives of our coworkers. With neighbors, even when they're grumpy, we need to relate to them and, and try to move toward them and get to know them. Friends, in spite of demanding attitudes, we need to move into 
their world and show interest in what they're interested in. One of the amazing realities of what Jesus has done and what God has done in that first Christmas is he stepped into our actual world. And our world is far from picture perfect. He he built a bridge to our hearts and lives by doing that. The miracle of the incarnation means that we have an opportunity to change the the trajectory of our lives. And God is with us, it means, to help us do life differently. The living God invites you and I to fellowship with him every day. He, he draws close to us. Will you respond to his call to fellowship with him? Jesus has given us a model to imitate in the, the incarnation. His followers step into the world of the people in their circles and make an investment in them. That's what we do. This is the way we build bridges and show God's love and grace to the people around us. I'd like to, as I always do, mention a couple of next steps that we could take um, to apply what we have seen in this first Christmas and the passage that we've looked at today. Here are a couple of next steps that I'd like to encourage you to take. My next step today is to grow in fellowship with God daily. God is calling you. He's motioning for you to come near to him every day and maybe meet him in the morning or at, in the evening. Get into his word, pray, um, talk to him, let him speak to you through the scriptures and then take him throughout your day and invite him into what you're dealing with. He, he wants to be invited. He, he wants you to receive his help because he is right there with you. And then, uh, another step is to follow the Lord's model and make an investment in those around me. Uh, maybe someone's come to mind that you've grown distant from. And you need to make the move to get involved in their world and in what interests them. Let's pray for the strength to take these steps and bring honor to God as we do so. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for what you've done in the first Christmas. The way you stepped into our world, God, to draw close to us. So that we could know you. You're, you're not just a concept. You're not distant. But you are right here with us. And I pray that God. You would help us. Uh, to respond to that call. And fellowship with you daily. And then imitate. The model you've given us. By getting into the world. Of, of the people around us. By sharing. Getting to know their interests and talking about what interests them, and 
serving them in that way and build a bridge to their heart. God, we we ask for the help to do this. We ask for the strength that you promised to give as we set out to do your will. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.